I remember the first time I got recognized. It was hilarious, actually. It was a funny story. I was in a Tim Hortons, which is very Canadian. Yeah. And for whatever reason, I wanted to go inside. So I was inside. I usually just go through the drive-thru at our local Tim's. But I was going inside, and there's this guy there. He's probably like 17. And he just, I went up there, and I made my order, and he was like right next to me. He just like, just kind of gave me one of like these. <laughs> and I was like, hey. He's like, and then he just kind of stared longer, and he's like, he's just he's kind of like weirded out he's like hey and i'm like hey what's going on and he's like do i know you from somewhere and i was like i don't know I, and then i also i pulled out the line i was like i'm will's brother he's like i don't know who that is and he just kind of like gave me the eye and then like went out to his car and then i could see him like talking yeah Welcome to Tardux, a podcast for content creators to come share their experiences, stories, and advice. And today I have a legend. I have Deadly Slob. Welcome. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I appreciate all the kind words, and I'm happy to uh, to tell some stories and share some knowledge wherever I can. Dude, you're full of knowledge, and I'm sure you got some great stories to tell. So, uh, <laughs> so what we normally do here first is we get things going with a couple of quick questions just to get the juices flowing. Are you ready? Sure, let's do it. All right, well, the first one is actually coming from Wilbur. I, I reached out to him and said, hey, throw me a couple of questions I can shoot, shoot to your brother. So uh, first one is, he said to ask you about Jeff, and I have no idea what that means. Oh, okay. So, well, uh, 20, 2020 got a little uh, crazy for a lot of us. And uh, I would say we spent a lot of time on stream, and there's a lot of people cooked up stuck inside including our community so i did these weekly edm streams it was uh it started like the october of 2020 and it was just a joke where we would just start playing like well it was like copyright free music was like i had to switch to it so yeah. i had this license of bad music so we did this edm thing and it was just so bad it was good so then I used my soundboard and uh, we just, I just started like DJing with the horrible music. Oh, and no. what ended up happening was we started stringing together this story about a character named Jeff. And every week we would just continue the story through song about his adventures. <laughs> yeah. And it'd be some, it'd be some other weird quirky song. Uh, and it just got, it just got crazy. And then a community member uh, made a song uh, with me voice overing it with the story from the stream oh and my god yeah it became a thing uh very uh very 18 plus yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the song and the whole story so yeah. i don't know what the audience level here is so dude it's your we'll podcast keep... we can go as far and you know oh well i mean the, the core premise of the character is he's got a superpower and that superpower is he just can't overdose on anything. Oh, nice. So okay. the aliens take him, and it just gets weird, and it goes into the music and the song, and it, it worked out really well. So we had this, like, mascot through this, like, weird time of 2020. Oh, my God. Just looking forward to Friday. Yeah. Just seeing what the heck Jeff was doing. So um, <laughs> it was a lot of fun, and uh, I, I miss doing those streams, but yeah. it just, you know... That's took a Jeff. lot out of me so uh, it was a lot of work <laughs> so we had to slow him down so now i just do them seasonally yeah oh so that's the story of jeff it was just kind of a weird character that we All did 
Awesome. All right. So the second one he had, he had, he wanted me to ask you, how was streaming while trying to house train uh, Vince? Oh, a challenge. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, the good news is uh, like the green screen's down so you can see it. Like I got a lot of open space here. So yeah. it was great, great space for the puppy. So I would just gradually give him more freedom and more freedom. But the baseboard suffered. Yeah. There was uh, oh. some accents from here and there. Uh, but other than that, you know what? It was um, it, it was okay. Like we, I integrated it with the stream. So yeah. people were interested in seeing how it was going. He was very much involved with the broadcast. So, yeah. But it was, it was very difficult um, to take six to eight breaks of broadcast just yeah. to deal with this little guy. So, um. but you know, now he's great. You yeah. know, he's just kind of does his own thing. But yeah, it was it was very challenging at the time. But all right, you know, it so, was fun. Final question is: If you could sit down with anybody in history for an hour and chat with them, who would you pick? Oh, um, if I could sit down with anybody in history and have a conversation with them, who would it be? Um. Let me see. I'm going to get to it. I'm just a slow thinker. That's all right, man. I, I think somebody like, this is going to be a crazy answer. It's going to be weird. But I think like one of those guys like Eric the Red or um, one of the one of the like the Scandinavian adventurers that yeah. traveled across the Atlantic for the very first time, like not really knowing exactly where they were going to end up, only to find some territory that they didn't really understand. And uh I think that that first process of like knowing the motivation behind that and then just how that was even done from yeah. like a sailing navigational perspective, that would be pretty cool. Uh, that's the first name that comes to mind only because I've been, you know, super into like the show Vikings and yeah. stuff like that. And I'm just like, man, that's a crazy story yeah. of like the, the Greenlanders, you know, and yeah. that, that uh, travel. So yeah. Can you imagine yeah. like what kind of stones it took to say, all right, let's go on a ship. And it's a Viking ship. You're not talking like, you know, Christopher Columbus type. You got some room and, and sleeping quarters. Yeah, you're just going over. You know, you, yeah. got no, you don't know where you're going. You're just going somewhere. So yeah. um, that's the first name to come to mind. So speaking of Viking show, do you, have you watched that other one that's on uh, Netflix with it's like five seasons with Bull? Uh, oh, God. It's, oh, it's how the Vikings, you know, come to England and they take over. Oh, I, uh, the, 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 the. The Last Kingdom. Yes. Oh. Yeah, I'm super into The Last Kingdom. I watched The Viking. Uh, yeah. I'm just getting into the new one. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm super into that kind of television. And yeah. Also, that area of history from a North American perspective, mm -hmm. we didn't we didn't really cover it. So um, I'm sure you guys that are listening in in England and Scandinavia and in mainland Europe, you kind of touch on the whole process of what was going on and the 10th century into the 13th century, that whole territory. But in North America, we don't really touch on that too much, at least in school. So right. it's like whole territory of like history that I don't really know anything about. So um, it's, it's been a cool ride yeah. anyway. So cool. Yeah, I've been super into that. Awesome. So for those that don't know, you live in probably one of the most beautiful places in the world on a beautiful island. Yeah. Yes, it's the North Atlantic, but still it's a beautiful part. Yeah, and, I live from uh, the PEI. Yeah. Yeah. And what it was like growing up, you know, because, you know, like it's a big tourist area in the summer. Like, did you dread when summer came and the island filled up <sighs> with, you know, mainlanders? 
Well, I mean, some 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 folks here from awares is what they call them. From awares, okay. Um, from from awares. Um, yeah, maybe a little bit. I actually, I I was only on the island until like '98, so I was like kind of young doing my first year of school. Yeah. And I went to Southern Ontario for a while, so I did my elementary school there, which is, I think, the biggest reason why I don't have like an Atlantic Canadian yeah. accent. Mm-hmm. And then I came back here for like junior high, high school, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. um, you know, it was, it's pretty low key. I think having the opportunity to be in the city, like Southern Ontario, yeah. like very much the suburbs and then coming back over here, which is very rural. And then they also having its own subculture of completely different language. I mean, you're from Newfoundland, Newfoundland yeah. so you completely understand, <laughs> like that was pretty crazy. So, um, but it felt very natural and, you know, welcoming because yeah. like I, I you know that's my, all my family is from here so yeah um i would say there is definitely like a level of appreciation for the people that come here but you know i think again with covid things are changing here rapidly yeah and pei is one of the fastest growing places in canada right now because people want to leave the city yeah and i feel like that transition is tough for some people yeah oh um, yeah and like and especially some smaller communities where you know, the cost of living is going up. There's not enough housing. There's a lot of problems that are associated with this yeah. massive expansion of population. And um, I, I do feel like some of the locals um, are having some issues with that. But yeah. other than that, it's, you know, bringing a lot more opportunity to, yeah. to the island. So, and uh, I can safely say, I mean, this summer was beautiful. Yeah. And what was going around the world might not have been. So we were lucky to be kind of in our own little part yeah. of... Uh, of the planet that wasn't so affected by the wildfires and yeah. all the other stuff that was going on. And how was, how about like, how did it feel like, did it feel like a normal summer after the pandemic that we've been through for the last few years? Yeah. So with PEI, we, um, we weren't stuck in, uh, isolation for as long as some of the other places. Yeah. So we, we were always like closed, then opened, then yeah. closed then opened. So we were, we were bouncing around a lot more like, I think the summer of 2021, most of the restrictions were gone. Yeah. So we already had like a big summer of everybody coming to the island. Maybe there was a couple masks here and there, but yeah. we had that taste of uh, freedom again. Yeah. So, and then we would lose it and get it back. So yeah. this this summer it was it was nice, but I don't think it was as bad as some of the other places that were completely in quarantine for well over a year oh, and yeah. a half. So. So for us, it was, it was, I think it was a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah. I had, uh, I was talking to Mr. Gibbon just this week and I had no idea he's in Ireland. They had a two kilometer restriction as far as they could go. They couldn't go past that. Oh, yeah. wow. I know. Can you I imagine? mean, we couldn't get off the Island. Right. Uh, without, uh, without a reason. Yeah. Actually, uh, I, we did sneak a bachelor party over there somehow <laughs> in the summertime when they let us, I yeah. mean, we had a van full of guys and we went over to New Brunswick for a bit. And, uh, we, it was like that one week window where they just, for some reason, yeah. it worked out. So, <laughs> but yeah, awesome. no, it wasn't, it wasn't so bad. I would say out of all the places, uh, to be during COVID, I mean, uh, PEI was definitely one of the better places. I would say, I think yeah. small businesses, especially seasonal businesses, you get one of those guys on here, they're going to completely disagree with me. Yeah. I completely understand. But from like a social perspective, I mean, we're already quite isolated yep. in a lot of ways. When, when the snow falls, mm -hmm. things shut down. Yeah. So, 
So was was yeah. it a good summer to take use of that new uh, lawnmower you got? <laughs> yeah, you know it's uh, <laughs> it's one of those things where it uh, I I I take big inspiration from Hank Hill. He's yeah. one of my spirit animals. So <laughs> I definitely play up my love for my lawn for the stream a yeah. bit. However, I do like my new lawn tractor. Excellent. It's, it's a zero turn. You know, it's just it just gets it done. Excellent. Uh, where the old one was. It was a waste of my time. So <laughs> I got I got more time, basically. So well, that's that's the important thing, especially yeah. as a content creator, man. You guys can't you, you cannot have enough time. Yeah, 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 for sure. So let's uh, let's jump into it. So where did video game actually no, before you hit the go live button? What what did you do? What was your your you know background? Oh, oh yeah. Um, so I uh, I've always been doing like YouTube videos and stuff. So I was, I was making World of Warcraft videos since 2006. So I've always kind of been messing around with it. Uh, so I, I've always had some little experience with doing something. Um, but uh, when I started to grow the channel, I, well, it's a long story, but I wanted to find a way to monetize my YouTube videos because like I was putting a lot of work into it yeah. and a lot of other gamers wanted to do that as well. And back then you needed to do YouTube networks like Machinima or the Game Station or our company called TGN. So yeah. me and a bunch of other video gamers, we got together and we created a YouTube network and we were able to partner our own channels to put advertisements. Yeah. Um, that was just a fun little project where we just wanted to put advertisements on World of Warcraft videos and we wanted to all play World of Warcraft and stuff. But as the company grew, those like it became an actual business. So I put my youtubing aside and started working on the business side yeah and became the head of sales for the entire company yeah so i did that for five years wow um yeah so i did that for two different companies uh in the scene for a total of five years uh and then after that i was streaming on the side like yeah. i started just doing it for fun so the moment that i didn't want to do that anymore i was i was streaming yeah so, okay I've been basically in this, I've been doing stuff like this since I was like 14. Wow. And now, so. you know, trying to be a salesman for basically a streaming platform in the early years, it must, it probably wasn't an easy sell. Or was um, it? It was, it was in a way, yes and no. There's a lot of mistakes that were made by the industry and myself and yeah. a lot of other people. Um, but we learned along the way. Cause like at the end of the day, you, if you wanted to put advertisements on your videos, you had to join a network. YouTube was very scared that they get copyright claimed by video game developers. Yeah. And some still do this today. Like Rockstar is really bad at that. Yeah. Uh, and Microsoft as well. So it was really easy actually, because yeah. our competition was Machinima and they were extremely controversial with what they were doing at the time. So yeah. we would just be like, Hey, come on over. If you can't join Machinima, come join us. And then we just blew up. Wow. So, at first, very easy, but then yeah. as the industry grew and money came in, it became more difficult, convoluted, yeah, and um, greedy, yeah, and that that greed is ultimately why I left. Oh, that okay, whole scene. all right. So now, yeah. speaking of video games, where did it all start for you? What was your first memories of you know? Did, did your dad come home with a console? Oh yeah. Or? So my first memory, and I this is this is gonna. My first memory was Atari 2600. Yeah. My dad owned one. And E.T., he had the worst <laughs> video game of all time. I swear. Yeah. 
It was it was the ET and Space Invaders, uh-huh. I think. So yeah, Space Invaders on the Atari Twenty Six Hundred was my first ever ever experience with video games. Yeah. Um, and then I remember, but I wasn't like super into it. So, um, and also we weren't weren't allowed to play it all the time. So, yeah. Uh, I remember later. I went to a friend's house and they had Ocarina of Time on the N64 and that blew my mind. Yeah. Because before then, all I really knew was Atari 2600. <laughs> and like, e. We didn't really have a... <laughs> yeah, and E.T. We didn't have a NES at the time yeah. or anything like that. So it was literally that to N64. So that was like... I would say Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time was yeah. the game that really um, made me super interested in video games. Yeah. Okay. And now over the years, what have been some of the highlights from a video game standpoint is standpoint that just stick out for you as you say, some of your all time favorites. Halo combat evolved for sure. Halo two, um, Halo two, Halo three, that whole era super involved. Um, very, 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 very much like into the competitive scene for that as well. Uh, really into game battles. Um, wanted to i wanted to participate in like local tournaments but i just couldn't at the time i was a bit too young yeah and um so that was huge halo was massive uh diablo runescape yeah uh world of warcraft and of course like call of duty modern warfare so i would say those between those games that's kind of what really uh Stand out, but there's actually one more. Age of Empires 2. I can't forget. Because yeah. Age of Empires 2 is the reason why I wanted to get my own computer. Oh, uh, okay. So was it a yeah. tough sell to the parent, or were you old enough that super hard, super uh... tough sell. The 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 whole point I had to save up like over 50% of the cost of the computer. And I think I was eleven. Yeah. So um, which is like saying it out loud, that's young. Like, you know, they were, they were very tr- like trusting and patient. Yeah. And also I think they knew that I had an interest in it, but if I wanted it, I had to work for it. So raking leaves, cutting yeah. grass, uh, all that kind of stuff. So me and my brother and my friends would just do that on the weekends, living in the suburbs. You can literally just walk around and be like, Hey, do you want us to cut your grass? Yeah. And they'd be like, yeah. And, uh, so that, that's kind of how okay. it did that. Now, did the other brothers help, you know, contribute to this or was this just going to be your, no, your computer? No, not for that. Not for that one. That was just for me. So yeah. it was, um, it was a, it was a Dell Inspiron. Um, <laughs> uh, it was like 300 bucks. So yeah, it was like pretty bad, pretty bare bones. Yeah. It was, uh, like the cheapest office computer you could buy, but Hey, it could run the internet. It could run RuneScape. It could run age of empires. Yeah. And most of the games from the 90s. Yeah. So good enough for me. Excellent. Now, one thing people don't realize that, you know, down in the States, in Canada, we're at a disadvantage. All of our computer games, video games, are at least $10 more than the price down here. Like, you know, a game, oh, yeah. it, that's so, it's even tougher to, to, you know, build a library. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, the, and the prices haven't really changed very much. I think, like, uh, so we, I actually didn't buy too many games. I would rent them from Jumbo Video, you know, <laughs> which is for, yeah. So for, for Americans, it's basically Blockbuster, but yeah, cooler in my opinion. It was cooler. Yeah. So yeah, we had we had a local Jumbo, so I would just go down there and rent a game on the Friday. I was like, I was definitely, I was always dealing in like five dollar bills. Yeah. You know, because like again, <laughs> I was raking grass, like raking leaves and yeah. stuff. So. 
Yeah, that I would always have enough money to rent a game for the weekend. And that yeah. was always like enough for me. Okay. Very cool. And then you 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 know, World of Warcraft, Daisy was on that path. You were you know, really I sounded like you know from past conversation, Daisy was one that really hooked you into it as well. Yeah. Yeah. World of Warcraft was how I started making YouTube videos, but then Daisy is really when I started to focus to get better or at least um be more consistent. Yeah. So um and then also that opened up a whole world of PC gaming that I didn't really know too much about, which is uh, modding and yeah. Arma modding specifically, which is massive, Yeah. Uh, or at least it was. So, and that just opened the door for content creation everywhere. Yeah. And then these days you're playing some Tarkov, some F1 manager. I even saw you playing uh, the fishing North Atlantic. Oh yeah, yeah. And at uh, first, I got to ask you a question, because when I saw you playing it, I heard Great Big C. Were they on the soundtrack, or did you just have that fight? No, in? I started playing it. I, uh, I always try to. Now, I definitely shouldn't, but whenever I'm playing uh, secondary games, I always try yeah. to find tracks and music that correlate with whatever we're doing. Yeah. So uh, I had to throw in some maritime music uh, while we're playing that. But yeah, no, I've actually I've been on the lobster boats, uh, mainly on setting and, and landing day. So I know yeah. a little bit about the whole process of doing that. So it was it was actually a lot of fun to see the <laughs> video game interpretation of it, yeah. which wasn't actually that bad. Oh, so, really? Yeah. Okay. Now, when is lobster season up there? So there's two seasons. You have uh, spring and fall. So fall is, uh, I think, just about to come to a close. Yeah. Um, usually from the first of may until the first of july is the season that i'm typically familiar with yeah um and uh so it's like two months and then that's it um there's a lot going on with that right now i don't know much about it but yeah. um yeah there's like uh something going on with the lobster being red listed or something oh, okay. like that but yeah i don't know i wish i could talk about that more but i really just don't know much about yeah. it so and but, now, yeah. did you spend any any time doing like you know out on the boats doing the whole? No, I, on so the first two days of the season and the last two days of the season. Yeah. So, um, because like I'm just do the stream, so right. I'm not like really at that experience, but I just like helping out, and it's a lot of work. So, uh, yeah, I've been doing that now for thirteen years. Oh, wow. I think yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Very yeah. cool. So. I, you know, who knows? Maybe in the future. We'll see what yeah. the future is. So. so now, to F1 Manager, I know you have a love for F1. You yep. started and I know you do, too. Game. Yeah, absolutely. And so, first of all, I got to ask, how, what happened to Schumacher? I see you got him off the team. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> they, they, I think the game has done them pretty poorly. Yeah. I think. From a video game perspective, the way they do the racing, dri the, the drivers, is there's growth potential and aggression level yeah and they have mix aggression level down to the lowest and they have his growth level as average uh, okay. where all the other drivers that are similar in rank yeah are aggressive and have high growth potential so and he's not rated very well so uh you know i chose haas because i thought it'd be not only funny and fun yeah but it's also be more interesting to see how you could climb from the bottom right absolutely and Halfway through the season, I realized we couldn't get we couldn't get Mick out of Q1. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I just scouted this other driver, and literally his first way, a first time, he won. He oh won my god! Spa. 
literally on the first <laughs> oh, race. His name is geez. Jack uh, Jack Dewan. He's an Australian yeah. driver. We call him Duhan because I'm <laughs> yeah, I'm an idiot on the stream. But uh, Jack Dewan, he's um, he will be in Formula One probably in a couple of years. Yeah. But um, yeah, oh, okay. incredible. So. Well, unfortunately, we replaced Mick, That's but right. <laughs> I got to blame the game because yep. like, I think he is poor, like like very underrated, and uh, you know that car sucks. Yeah. So absolutely, what are you gonna do? Yep. So how are you enjoying the F one season so far? The real one with you know Verstappen, you know, and the magic they found in that Red Bull. Yeah, man. Um, you know, I'm a big. I've, I've been a Red Bull fan for a while, so I'm really excited to see that there's going to be very little to no dispute with this championship mm -hmm. this year, because despite the controversy of last year, oh and I God. totally understand it, um, you know, Max deserved to win the championship, but he didn't deserve to win that race. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and that's, and that's a tough one because technically Lewis would have won the championship. Absolutely, so yeah. this time I think it's really important um, to see that now he's got, potential to be one of the greatest drivers of all time i mean he's a young guy yeah he's gonna have two world champions under his belt you know he's a he's got a lot of time he's got a lot of time to win six more championships mm -hmm. so uh it's it's been good i think some of the races have been you know some some of them have been boring but yeah. i mean i think that's formula that's one for a, yeah you, but, exactly yeah but for the most part i'm i'm super invested and i'm I'm so glad that i am because i feel like i need something more than tarkov to focus my attention <laughs> Absolutely. on uh, as yeah. a hobby so yeah and also don't forget we got you know the the spectacle of ferrari this season too you never know what they're going to do oh yeah <laughs> yeah i i love uh just watching all the mistakes that get made i'm an armchair guy so obviously if i was in that position i'd probably make just as <laughs> the same amount or way more but it's so much fun to just be like what the heck is even going on Absolutely. so to the point where if we make crazy calls and formula one manager they just call me Mattia. so <laughs> nice yeah it's oh. pretty it's pretty wild so now, are you going to get up to montreal to catch a race one year so we're looking we're looking at next year yeah um, i'm on this list of trying to see what's gonna happen yeah. so i think next year is like i will most likely be there next year excellent i think, I think. Yeah. it's not that far away it's like a 12-hour drive yeah so uh it sounds long but it's not that bad if you've done it before yeah and it's i've been up to montreal a couple of times and the city's wonderful like you know that friday night there's one street that all the ferraris like real you know people who own the you know nice high-end cars are parked up on the street and you can walk that and yeah. The food and the you know the concerts go on. It's a it's a fantastic experience. Have you gone before? Yes, I've been to two uh, or three times up there back in the Schumacher days, the real Schu the, oh, you know, nice. Schumacher's dad. But not in the last few years. I've been doing more NASCAR races. My buddy from uh, Mississippi oh, yeah. got me hooked, and you know I got to honestly tell you when I you know, he said, "Oh, come come see a race." Like it's just left hand turn. I was like, "What am I?" You know, it's just gonna be boring. But he convinced me to go to Bristol, which is this tiniest little track. And it's in the back hills of Tennessee. I thought I was going to die walking up to this mm -hmm. track. 160,000 people. They're letting everybody bring in their coolers. And I'm like, there's no way this ends good. And it was the friendliest sporting event I've ever been to in my life. The, yeah. And the other thing that was really cool is you can get the headset and you can tune in to every driver 
and crew chief, oh. and you hear the conversation of what's going on, whether it's, you know, Dale Earnhardt Jr. at the time, is like he's complaining about his helmet's too big or too tight, and, and his you know, crew chief's making fun of him, saying, yeah, your head's gotten too big. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's a whole different perspective of it. And it, I came away, it's like, okay, I understand it now, and it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I've tried watching NASCAR a few times, and uh, I've liked, I've enjoyed the process. I think I need to try to get invested in the people that are behind the wheel, Yeah, which is kind of what worked for Formula One for me. And yeah. uh, if I can do that, then I'll probably get involved. But yeah. I always turn it on um, just every now and again, just to yep. see what's going on. Yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah, Go, going to a race and hearing the engines, like what's what's really incredible. You, you know, I've been to Daytona and Charlotte, and you can walk up against the the fences are coming across, and they're flying two hundred miles an hour, and they're inches apart from each other, and it's just it's just mind blowing. You know that 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 you know they can do something like that and not kill I, themselves. I, I like the strategy when it comes to like the drafting strategy. Yeah. When it comes, yeah. So like, it's not always necessarily to be beneficial to being first. Yeah. And like, when is the right time to strike? And um, that's the stuff that I started picking up on a little bit when I started watching it a bit more. Yeah. So it is definitely more than just left turns for yeah. sure. Um, definitely. So I, I think in a few years more I dabble in, I'll probably get more invested. Yeah, definitely. For sure. And the, you know, the, the, the thing that I think helped F1 was that Netflix series. I think that really yeah. generated, you know, people to watch it. It's, it's got me more invested too. Cause I remember, um, I think it was the 2019 season before 2019. I wasn't really super into it at all. Yeah. I know my, my dad used to be huge into formula one. So it was on TV when I was younger. Yeah. Um, but I remember turning it on one Sunday morning and just watching a race and being like, don't, I think there's like a show on Netflix about this. Yeah. So that evening, uh, Shelb and I, we started watching it and we just became instantly hooked, like yeah. full all nice. in. And I don't think I've, I don't think I've missed a full race since. Yeah. That's or qualifying. Awesome. Like nice. I've, I've PVR them all. So yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> I've been all in all nice. in. Yeah. It's good. It's fun. Absolutely. Yeah, it is. All right. So let's talk some streaming. So, you know, you what made you hit that go live button to begin with? Joe, I think we talked about that just so that you can get more, you know, World of Warcraft footage and things like that. Yeah, it was just like um, my friend at the time, Tally, um, who's still an acquaintance, but, we, you know, it's been 10 years or longer. So he's doing his thing. I'm doing my thing. But he was telling us that, hey, there's this new thing called like Justin TV. It's picking up steam. You should stream World of Warcraft and then promote your YouTube channel because it's been working out for me. So that's what really got me in. It was like, oh shit, like this is a new opportunity for me to maybe meet new viewers and then try to promote my videos more because uh, conveniently around that same time, that's when I started to care more about what I was really uploading. Before then, I had no idea what I was doing. And we just did a charity event maybe two or three weeks ago. And one of the incentives was cringe time where I'd have to go back and watch like a video from 2008 or nine. Yeah. And when I say I had no idea what I was doing, I had no idea what oh, I was no. doing. Like it was rough, man. Like it was bad. But the more we progressed through the cringe time, the less cringy it got because yeah. by like 2010, 2011, I was like really caring about what I was putting up and the videos had structures and goals and yeah. conversation pieces in mind. And a real purpose where before I was just kind of like messing around in world of Warcraft talking about nonsense. I was basically doing a live stream, but in a 10 minute video. Yeah. Right. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's the biggest reason what got me going. And 
funny enough, it's kind of changed. Now yeah. it's like the YouTube video supports the stream. Right. So, yeah. And yeah. so, and so it helped, you know, cause you're, you're a storyteller streamer that people, you know, that's that people love to come and, and listen to. So those early videos helped you, you know, sort of craft that skill. Yeah. And, and also like, um, like listening to other people and yeah. um, especially listening to podcasts and being inspired by other broadcasters, especially in the early day. And yeah. I have a deep respect for those that paved the way, like, you know, uh, the late Wreckful, for example, yeah. lots of hundreds of hours spent watching his arenas with friends and just seeing how he carried himself on his broadcasts and uh, Asmin and Kriparian uh, soda poppin and all those guys from the early days yeah um i've definitely taken like massive inspiration from them like uh just chill oriented broadcasters where yeah. you're there to hang out with your chat is the number one thing yeah. that you do and like and that takes priority almost over anything else yeah so and uh and, and that's the streams that i like to watch so that's the how i run my stream yeah and now over the years you've trained so you started with wow did you then transition to daisy before coming into tarkov yeah yeah i was uh, i went full-time on twitch with daisy standalone yeah so that was kind of like my first adventure into actually doing this full-time yeah and um that was pretty good like uh it got me involved with um uh, various different broadcasters and starting to collaborate started getting my name out there a little bit more yeah um, definitely again, a big learning experience on how to carry myself on broadcast and the do's and don'ts and making mistakes and yeah. all that kind of stuff. So uh, the, the, the important moments, you know, yeah. uh, no one, no one, uh, starts streaming one day and becomes Dr. Disrespect. You know, it's, it comes from years of just making those mistakes yeah. and figuring out how to do it right. So. Definitely. And now, you know, when you transitioned from WoW to Daisy to Tarkov, you know, how did, you know, when did you find, when was it that right time? Because you've got to be wary of your chat staying with you during these periods. Yeah. So I think when it comes to like the numbers, I, I'm not super into like the pinpoint analytics, but yeah. I'll just like throw some ballpark numbers from what I remember. I think when I was doing Daisy stuff, I was hitting around like 400 viewers a stream. Yeah. And then when I transitioned to Tarkov, I hit like 200 viewers a stream. So it was yeah. pretty much like a 50% decline. But um, I just, uh, I was just having too much fun. And although we were getting less viewership at the time, I was seeing like way more engagement in the chat. Yeah. So I knew that that was unique. It's not really something that happens very often. Yeah. And then also I was kind of done of Daisy. Like yeah. I just kind of got to the point where it's playing the game for years at the time, it, it wasn't going anywhere. Yeah. Um, that has changed. It's gotten a lot better since then. Mm -hmm. But at the time, it wasn't going anywhere. And I just felt like I was like running on the treadmill and there was not a whole lot going on. So this brand new game, Tarkov, comes out of nowhere. And, you know, yeah. that's it's just kind of, I just kind of knew that it was going to be big. Yeah. So I just felt it. And now when you made that jump to go full time, was there a certain moment that just hit you? It was like, yeah, I can do this. Or was it just a gradual increase of the numbers? And it's like, okay, I, I'll give this a shot. Uh, it was purely out of circumstance. Yeah. I was working still in YouTube MCNs and I was put in, I was given an ultimatum, um, that I, I that I just wasn't going to accept. Yeah. And I was doing a stream at the time and, uh, I just decided that um, 
I had this stream with like 80 people. Let's yeah. just see how it goes. I was saving money in the bank for, I kind of knew that this was going to happen. Yeah. So uh, I just, yeah, put money in the bank and then just started streaming. And I was like, hey, I'm going to do this for a year. I think I can do it for a year without going completely broke. And just, if it's going well, then I'll do it for another year. Yeah. And then we'll see where it goes. And eventually it got to the point where I could, you know, make enough money yeah. to pay the bills, but it was very close. It was very close where I, I, I was like, I pretty much ran out of money. Oh, wow. I remember. Yeah. It was like very much at the end of my <laughs> bank accounts. <laughs> so yeah. we're, so are we talking about a potential point where deadly may have not gotten to where you are today? Did you come that close to saying, you know, no, I wasn't going to quit. Okay. I wasn't going to quit. I was just going to do something else yeah. on top of streaming. So okay. I, I think what really helped me out is I was, I never, I always did it for fun as a hobby. Yeah. So I would always stream regardless of what I was really doing. But if I had a full-time job, I think now that I'm approaching like 30, yeah, the amount of streaming hours I would commit would diminish. Yeah. So there is definitely a possibility that I would not have committed as much yeah. time, but okay. I still would have streamed. Yeah. And now back yeah. then, was, were you doing, was it Justin TV then? Or were you full on Twitch when you came to DayZ? Oh, that was Twitch. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was Twitch. I think, I want to say uh, it was like 2011 or 2012 yeah. when Twitch became a thing. So yeah, I was on board. I was on board Twitch. We had no choice. Yeah. They uh, they moved all the gamers over to ch Twitch.tv. Okay. So. And now back yeah. then, the, the partner status, was it harder to get partner back then compared to what it is today? Oh yeah, it was like cra it was crazy difficult. Yeah, um, you needed like three hundred concurrent viewers, and you also needed to stream like a minimum number of hours. Yeah. But then on top of that, there was only a certain number of partners per category. So oh, if let's say that like yeah, so there was like Twitch would only accept a certain number of people, and this yeah. became a problem with Daisy standalone. So like people would hit the requirements, but then Twitch would be like, "There's too many partners." So, wow. Yeah, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty tough. And then the, also there wasn't a sub button. Yeah. So it was just all that partnering meant was, uh, you could run ads, yep. you could run commercials. Oh shoot. So, yeah. So it was a very different time back yeah. then. And then now, and the tools you had, it was kind of, I heard people described as like the wild, wild west, essentially with chat oh, yeah. and things like that. Yeah, it was, um, you know, it wasn't is it wasn't that bad. Yeah. I I've used XSplit before, but then I I made the switch to OBS pretty early on. Yeah. So it wasn't it wasn't so so bad. And now, do you remember your partner? You know, when you made partner, what you know? Do you have a what was your partner yeah. story? My partner story was weird. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but if if you want, it, I'll the full story. I feel like my whole like streaming thing is just unconventional. <laughs> How I got partnership was we made a deal with Twitch um, to bring over partners from YouTube onto, onto Twitch. So, and the deal was if they joined with like our network and they created channels on Twitch, then it would automatically get partnership if they were at a certain size. Yeah. So um, being in that program, I had a YouTube channel that met the requirements for World of Warcraft. Yeah. So I was just given the partnership straight away in the early days. Yeah. Um, and then later on when I returned to streaming, uh, I, I was like, Hey, can I get this sub button? Cause I'm like a legacy partner or whatever. And they're like, Hey, stream for like two months and we'll give you the button. Oh, shoot. so I basically came back stream two months. They gave me the button. Oh, shoot. Okay. There you go. Yeah. What was the toughest things about streaming back then compared to today? 
Or is it, you know, the same things? <clears throat> um, I feel like the most difficult thing was the bandwidth. Yeah. Um, I know for me personally, being from PEI, that was extremely difficult. Like I only had a connection that was good enough for like maybe 360p. Yeah. So yeah, that was pretty challenging. Um, and then also dual PC setups weren't really a thing and yeah. internal capture cards weren't really a thing. Yeah. So you either had to do like some external connection or you would just have game loss performance Yeah. and you would just be streaming with 30 frames per second on your right. game. Okay. And then, you know, today from a streaming standpoint, what, you know, what are some of the difficult things you struggle with, you know, you know, in today's world of streaming? Um, I would say complacency. Yeah. Because like, I'm very comfortable with where I am. And, uh, if you go and take a stream from 18 months ago yeah. and plugged it into tomorrow, probably not going to be a whole lot different with the way the stream looks, the, the attitude. Yeah. And so I feel like in some ways it's a good thing. Um, but that, in, yeah, yeah it, 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 I think like that familiarity and that consistency is good, but then also like, you know, it's good to grow and yeah. do new things and introduce um, new intros and overlays yeah. and that kind of stuff. And I think that's the, that's the kind of thing where I, I kind of like, I wake up, come into the office, hit the live button and yeah. go. And I've been kind of just doing that for a while. Yeah. So, I would say for me personally, that's the biggest challenge is recognizing like, oh, okay, like maybe it's time to do something new Yeah. because uh, I'm so comfortable with doing what I do. Yeah, because I think, I've, I don't know, it was a few months ago, I saw a tweet you did about, you know, looking to strategize or collaborate with some, you know, just to bounce some ideas off about, you know, moving forward. And just that's why, I, you know, was thinking about that question. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, I, I always try to uh, do something new every yeah. now and again but uh i would say not as quick as my peers yeah <laughs> for but sure you, you i'm do, definitely low and slow that, nothing wrong with that and you have that you know you're in that space now where you don't have to main a game at this point you just you because we've seen you bounce around to other games bring in other games and and you just pick up and mm. go with the flow and then people come and that's you know watch you and that's what they they like to do yeah, that. I think um, my summer car was really um, my summer car was huge because that was the first time that I branched out into variety for a long, a long time. Yeah, um, usually I would pick away at a game for a couple days or like after a Tarkov session. I just straight up didn't play Tarkov for two and a half months. Yeah, and um, it was fine. It was good. It yeah. was like one of those times where I'm like, yeah, I can we we like we can move around we as a community and move around to different categories. And yeah. As long as I'm having fun and the chat is having fun, that's all that really matters. Yeah. Um, and finding games that allow that is very difficult. Yeah. Like uh, not the way I see it is like, not every good game is a good streaming game, especially right. for me in my particular style. Like somebody could just go and play world of Warcraft, wrath of the Lich King uh, and probably be okay, or the new new world content patch that was uploaded recently. Right. But I don't think I can because I've tried that before, and yeah. it just doesn't work with my yeah. style. So now, would you call yourself now a variety streamer? You know, I was I had a uh, Veritas on a while ago, and he's come to the heel. You know, he's coming to the moment that he feels comfortable calling himself the variety streamer. Um, I'm a two game Andy, is what I'll call myself. <laughs> okay. Uh, like I, I will go hard at like maybe one or two games and yeah. hyper fixate on that. 
So I would say no. I'm not. I feel like I'm not quite there yet. Yeah. Um, I do variety games, but for the last two or three months, I've been pretty much exclusively playing Escape for Tarkov yeah. all summer long, day in and day out. So, uh, yeah, not not quite. But yeah. I would like, I would like to be, but I don't want to change games every day. Yeah. I want to make sure that if I'm going to pick up a new project, it's going to be for weeks yeah. or if not months. And gotcha. uh, that's, yeah, so something to work towards, yeah. something to just be in for a while. Yeah. And now over the years, you know, you've probably got a ton of highlights that you, you can just, you know, pick from. What are some of the highlights, you know, since you went live, really stick out for you? Um, the Christmas streams, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> those, those, are, those are always something. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Uh, uh, PG 14 or mature rated <laughs> yeah. streams. Those are always good. Um, I would say the first time we did drops was a roller coaster. Yeah. Um, that was a crazy stream. I had like 110,000 people after a raid from Pestily. And that was like, I, while I was moving into this new office. Oh, so shoot. I had no idea that drops was even happening. Yeah. I didn't have, I didn't have internet. For like three or four days. Oh my so, god. So and and like and I wasn't and I was kind of just so busy I wasn't checking social media. Yeah. So I literally put my computer in this office and turn everything on. And it's like, holy crap, Pesley's got a hundred thousand people. What is like what is going on here? People are like, it's drops, everyone's got drops, you gotta be live. Why isn't Delhi live? And all that kind of stuff. And I was like, man, I missed something massive. But I was able to get live on the last day of the drops. Yeah. And that was like a that was a crazy stream. Um, and then like every single drop stream pretty much since then has been yeah. pretty wild. But I, I do think that was a big turning point for not just myself, but I think the Tarkov community oh, in yeah. general. That that January 2019 yep. drops, it really solidified Tarkov as like a mainstream game. It was a brilliant move. And, yep. Yeah. It was freaking crazy. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was wild. Oh, man. So now looking back. I think of some other ones, but uh, I feel like, uh, yeah, I think those are the biggest ones. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's tough to top that one. Like, you know, yeah. you know I was going to say what I asked a lot of the people who've come on, you know, what, you know, what were some of your biggest raids? But you grew up being the big names, you know, were there ever big uh, raids that like you're like holy crap yeah, yeah 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 there was there were some big ones um there was a day where it was a very pivotal day back when when i started my stream again in 2014 came yeah. back and just was trying to get my sub button um i got raided by joshua so he used to be called i wins yeah and i also got raided by mr chow um and that was on the same day so i went from like 30 viewers in the Daisy standalone category yeah. up to like 250. So that was a very, that was like a huge day. Yeah. And then there was a, the biggest raid I ever received pre drops was a, it was complete random chance. And I have to say this was, this changed the game. It was a guy from the Hearthstone category, which was super random. Yeah. And I, for, I forget his name. Um, Anyway, he was he was big, but I ended up kind of having some weird sussy stuff that yeah. happened to him. But he would just go through Twitch and pick a random channel and raid them that day. And it happened to be me. So I went from like 
100 viewers to 20,000 oh, viewers. Oh, my God. And uh, I was like, whoa. <laughs> so, um, but I retained it pretty well. Yeah. And uh, I handled myself pretty well. And then before too long, I started, you know, I picked up like a good 100 viewers from that. Right. Yeah. Stuck with it which is crazy. And now how do you deal with going from X to triple X? Like, you know, Oh yeah. Um, I just don't think about it, yeah. I guess, which is very hard to do. I think initially it was kind of overwhelming, especially yeah. whenever you got like a hundred people in your chat. I think that was kind of like a first, like holy shit moment. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I completely put on the blinders. I don't, I never know how many people are watching. Yeah. And then the moderators did an incredible job, um, at all moments yeah. of setting up a slow mode that mirrored our regular speed of the chat in some way. Yeah. So even if it was going crazy, it was like enough where I could read it and go through it. Yeah. Oh, wow. So cool. It's, it's weird though. It is weird. I think that's just the best. It's just a complete dissociation of just not paying, just, just, acting like I have a hundred people. Yeah. <laughs> but at the end of it, at, at the end of those streams, I, I, uh, I remember after the 100,000 people, I was kind of like, I couldn't sleep that night. Yeah. I remember like kind of being like, Whoa, man, like that was insane. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Oh, yeah. Man. So now, you know, because you chose this, this career and, you know, being a content creator, how do you deal with vacations? Because, you know, like, the normal nine to five mm. jobs. You don't, you, you guys don't have vacations. You don't have sick days, health insurance. If you're in States, like what, you know, from a vacation standpoint, you need those breaks. Uh, yeah. And this industry is not very rewarding of that at all. If actually any, if anything, it's very uh, anti break and it has been like that for a long time and remains like that. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, for the first few years, I streamed seven days a week. Yeah. So, and I, and in a way, I think that really plays into where I am today. Like if I didn't do that, if I didn't put that time in, I don't think I would be here today. Yeah. Uh, which is an incredibly unhealthy environment, but I guess it's part of the process. At least it was for me. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of uh, stories in various different industries, especially in the entertainment one where you have to put in these insane grueling hours and grinds yeah. to get to where you want to be. And I think with streaming, it's kind of like that. So uh, for me personally, now I take Saturdays and Sundays off and yeah. that's good enough for me. But when it comes to longer breaks, I still don't really like taking big breaks yeah. because it's a two step backwards or right. a one step forward, two step backwards situation. And sometimes it can be worse, but yeah, I will say, um, the, I, the, I think the longer I've streamed, the more I've realized that I can take those breaks, Yeah, but it's very difficult to put yourself in the mindset of allowing yourself to. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're always in the back of your head. I'm missing. Yeah. Am I losing my viewers for not being on there? Yeah, I think I, I see it as like, I think we have like 3,000 something subs right now. And it's like, I have 3,000 bosses. I have like 3,000 people that are paying me monthly to provide yeah. a level of entertainment at least Monday through Friday. Yeah. Um. So anytime that I take a day off, I feel really guilty because it's like, these are people with their hard earned money, like supporting my stream. And right. I feel obligated to want to be there and entertain yeah. them. So 
um which is you know i don't know it's a weird way of looking at it but <laughs> i really uh, appreciate the support that i've received yeah. because um i don't really know when this crazy train is going to end so yeah it's yeah. okay so it's difficult i don't know what advice i would give to somebody who's yeah. small in that respect yeah because it's yeah like you said as as a start you know s- s- smaller streamer you're just grinding and grinding like i you know i had mr gibbons on and we were, we were talking about his he's riding this wave right now and he's going to TwitchCon. he was planning on doing three weeks but he can't do that now because he wants to just do one week and get back because he doesn't think he can you know afford to lose that wave three weeks is a lot like three weeks is a lot of time yeah. um I, I i don't really know where uh gibbons is at with like the viewer count and all that kind of stuff yeah. but i i can understand like the anxiety with that right um and I, part of my anxiety stems from seeing it happen yeah where people were in a position getting like 300 400 viewers a stream they get their subscriber button and then they go on this like big one month vacation oh my god and they come back and it's like whoa wait what happened <laughs> like where's all my viewers yeah, and I I don't know I can't say that would happen to everybody, but I remember one specific person where that happened to, and they just kind of never recovered Oof. from it, and eventually stopped streaming. Yeah, wow, that's wild. So that that is not the healthiest message. There's always a balance. <laughs> yes, like you can take a day here and there for yourself. You can yeah. take the weekends off. You can take three days. If you're in the middle of your grind and things are going well, I would say if you wake up and you're not like feeling super great. You know, I don't know, man, maybe push through a little bit, but I, yeah. Yeah. Like you have to make that call for yourself. Yeah. And nobody wants to watch somebody who is, you know, not happy on stream. Oh know? yeah. No, not at all. Um, there's a really good video by Tim, the tap man from like 2015 or 2016. I share it with people. Uh, I get messages from other streamers that are stuck in these ruts or yeah. they're not really they're not really motivated or they're in a negative mind space. Yeah. And I, and I always share this video with them because, um, it's, it really talks about positive mental attitude Yeah. and how it affects, uh, your stream. So if you're in a position where you're waking up every single day, like dreading to turn the stream on, then yeah, you got to take a break because those two or three days off might really re-energize you yeah. Yeah. and get you to the point where you can stream again. Definitely. And now, you know, for somebody who is going live for the first time, what, you know, what advice would you give them? Um, I would say set like reasonable expectations. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like be, I wouldn't start a stream being like, Hey, I'm going to stream. I'm going to spend like $6,000 on a setup yeah, just so I can stream to like three viewers. I wouldn't do that. I would, I would make sure that you have a microphone that's good enough. Yeah. where people can listen to you without wanting to turn off your stream. I would actually say that audio is almost more important than video in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. And um, a bad green screen is worse than no screen at all. So if you don't have a good lighting setup, um, which these lights are pelting me in the face <laughs> as the sun goes down. Um, but um, if you don't have good lighting, if you don't have a good green screen, I would say like, Webcam it or no webcam. There's plenty yeah. of successful streamers that don't use a webcam. Yep. Lyric is a really good example of that. It's not needed if you have the right vibe and you set the right setting. Yep. So 
that would be that'd be huge and then the last thing that i would say is schedule it's yeah. the most important thing when it comes to a new streamer like set like three days a week and commit to those three days and commit to those times and tell people when you will be live because if people don't know when you're going to be live they're not going to come to the platform to watch your stream yeah. like there's the follow button and stuff like that and the notifications that it doesn't really work as well as being like hey guys i'll be here tomorrow yeah. at this time all right so that that that's that's what i would say Excellent. and uh yeah i don't know reasonable expectations all right so now this one i've been wanting to ask you for a while it's you know so let's play pretend deadly slob is starting out for the first time next week going live or maybe wilbur's coming to you and say deadly i want to do this how would you approach you know being a streamer you know with dealing with what platform to go on do i focus on creating my own youtube content or shorts or tiktoks you know if you had to start from scratch uh, yeah. Um, if I was to start from scratch, the YouTube is the most powerful tool to grow your channel, uh, without a doubt. Like with YouTube, you can make a video and it can get, it can go viral in the category or it can get thousands of views if it's a well-made video and you have no other videos in your channel. Where on Twitch, you go live for the very first time and you have the coolest live stream and like everything's going well, you might have like one viewer. So I would say YouTube is like one of the most important ways of growing your, your Twitch channel. Uh, in terms of like where I would like choose to go live, I would still choose Twitch. It gives the most, especially for smaller streamers. There's no better platform for smaller streamers than Twitch. I mean, when it comes to Amazon Prime, uh, all of the bit features, uh, the advertisement incentives, uh, the bounty board, uh, how everything is integrated with multiple different ways of monetizing your stream. The other platforms are way behind with that stuff. Yeah. So um, it is so much easier to be a smaller streamer making at least minimum wage. Yeah. So right. I would still be on Twitch. And then TikTok, something that I don't do. But TikTok, simply because I'm an old, I'm just an old guy that's set in my ways and I've make YouTube videos and stuff. But if I was a new, brand new person, I would definitely be uploading uh, videos or clips to TikTok. Um, the more places where people can see you and know when you're live, the higher probability that someone's gonna drop in and see you. Yep. Excellent. Yeah. And Twitter, of course. Twitter is one of those things where not everybody likes it, but it's kind of the universal way of connecting with other broadcasters. Yeah. Um, you know, we've all kind of decided that that's gonna be the platform that yeah. you kind of have to participate in. So make a Twitter account and tweet jump when you in. go live and yep. stuff. Yeah. Cool. All right. Um, so now for me, let's see what else was in. Oh, sponsors. Okay. So from a sponsor standpoint, you could, you know, uh, you know, for people jumping into it live, would you suggest for them to do the whole affiliate things like with the, all the jerkies, the energy uh, drinks and. So I did that uh, when I was really small and, and I, I, I didn't really know better. So with world of warcraft i would do like leveling guides and i'd be selling like leveling guide ebooks and like all this kind of stuff and uh, i was uh, an affiliate with g fuel for a little bit um didn't really know better i thought it was a sponsorship <laughs> you know it was an affiliate deal um you know there is a lot of exploitation that these companies do uh especially for smaller to medium-sized broadcasters but if you like their product and they get an affiliate code, you're essentially working as a salesperson for sometimes a decent commission. In some cases, it could be like 15%. Um, 
So I would say, yeah, it's if it's it's definitely worth it if you're a full-time streamer that needs to expand uh, the monetization. Um, I would be careful with it though, because uh, you got to know your worth. But then also they will like like don't do too much for nothing. Yeah. Um, it, it could be it could be super important, and uh, I, I it took me a while and also good representation that I have to learn that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would I would I would you know especially if you like the stuff. Yeah. Okay. And now from a sponsorship standpoint, when did you start seeing sponsors approach you and say, "Hey, do this," or "We got something for you." Super late to the game. Yeah. Only recently, I would say two and a half years. Um, part of that is I'm extremely difficult to get a hold of. I'm, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> uh, it is by design, though. Yeah. Um, I get overwhelmed very easily with the amount of social requirements and social demands of this job. Yeah. And the way I handle it is by, you know, having a lot of filters. And if things are extremely important, I will get to them. And if they're not, then they just don't. Yeah. Um, so, but for sponsorships, that's not great. Because if, if there's like a big opportunity and they want to get to you, then it's hard. Yeah. So um, two and a half years ago is whenever it started happening. And it's thanks to the Marksman stream team. Yeah. That was whenever it's really Mark who encouraged me to go to PAX East and these conventions to yeah. make connections. And that started the ball. But um, it wasn't until my agency called uh, 28th Avenue. Yeah. Those guys are awesome. And uh, they've been connecting me with all sorts of cool stuff. Oh, cool. Very cool. And now you just yeah. mentioned the, the Marksman. So let's talk a bit about that. How did, you know, first of all, the Marksman is a, you know, is a stream team with you, Markstrom, Monster Deface, Pep, Katie, Cotton. Mm -hmm. Is that it? I think that's it. Yep, that's yeah. it. Yeah. Yep. So how did that all get started? Um, it came together. Um, it's almost like a streamer support group. Yeah. So, uh, I think it's an, it's, it's, it's not, <clears throat> it's not what other stream teams were at the time where it was like, Hey, we're going to have like hundreds of people in a single team. And there's going to be like an auto host. And you know, if you're online at the right time, it's going to be like a roulette wheel of who's going to get the auto host. Yeah. Um, or, or it was like too many people being in a stream team, it just kind of diluted the purpose of the stream team. Yeah. So we wanted to make a group that like not only did things and collaborated, but it was mainly behind the scenes stuff, almost exclusively now, like behind the scene conversations. Yeah. So if somebody's having like a rough time or they need a second opinion on a sponsorship opportunity or um, like a, like a, a worth, like a value check, like, yeah. is the are like, is this a good deal? Of conventions and stuff like that and um for a very long time we met um on sundays and every other sundays um i will admit we haven't had a whole lot of like in-person conversations for a little yeah. bit but part of the reason is a lot of a lot of people are doing some crazy cool stuff and it's a lot of time uh yeah so in a way i i owe a lot to the marksman because uh when times were difficult especially in those early grinds we would sit down and talk about it yeah and i feel like that's really important to have like a group of peers to confide in for yeah. sure. Excellent. And uh, and you look at, you know, you're all of the marksmen, you guys are all very super successful now. And it's, you know, you've sort of gone beyond needing that right now, right? It's you guys are more just friends. Let's hook up and play. Or do you yeah. still, 
do you guys still bounce ideas off each yeah. other? Yeah, 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 for sure. Like we'll we'll like message each other in like group chats and stuff yeah. and have conversations. And I think we we had a uh, like a meeting like a month and a half ago, and we just sat down and talked about streaming. Oh, nice. Um, just off the cuff stuff, which was really nice. And um, I know a couple people are going to TwitchCon. I think Pep's going and yeah. Katie's going and a few others. So like you know, hooking up for conventions and things yeah. like that, which is really nice. Um, and then I also know that um, they have. Unfortunately, I'm not with the same agency. It just worked out that way. But they with with four of them, they're all with the same agency, so yep. it can be sold as like a collective deal. Oh, uh, okay. And it's like a power team, like a power deal. Yeah. So, which is very helpful as okay. well. Okay, cool. Uh, and did you come down to PAX this past year? Or? Um, no, no, I didn't. But um, I usually do come down to PAX. Yeah. I don't know when my next uh PAX is going to be. Yeah. But uh, whenever the next convention i'll let you guys know i i really want to go to amsterdam i was supposed to go in 2020 oh. um i've been there before but i want to go back yeah and um yeah you know covid so yeah yeah i didn't know when uh when will was on the the very first uh pod of tardux he shared some of the pack stories he was like your photographer and your uh some crazy stories running into different people oh yeah down here in boston yeah <laughs> yeah man it was um that first that first PAX East was incredible. Um, Twitch was really involved. Yeah. So which really made a massive difference with the energy at the convention, being a Twitch partner that's there, it just carried a certain weight and yeah. a number of awesome opportunities. And um, I got to meet, you know, some of my closest stream friends for the very first time yeah. in person. And uh, I had a blast and met a lot of viewers too and spent some long nights <laughs> on the streets of Boston with a number of crazy but amazing human beings yeah. from the DNE. Um, so that, that is something I definitely want to do again. Um, to the human element behind the, the names yeah. is, um, is huge. Excellent. Yeah. And now what was it like, you know, you coming to, you know, was that your first experience as, you know, celebrity? Like, there's Deadly Slob, let's go... Yeah, yeah, I think so. It was um it was my first experience where like people would just randomly come up to me and be like, Hey, like what's up, man? I yeah. I think I know who you are. I'm like, Do you? <laughs> uh yeah. Um I will always I think it's very important. I will always assume that nobody knows who I am. Yeah. I think it's very important to stay grounded and I will always try to introduce myself to everybody. Um and uh, you know, I think in my own little corner or Twitch, people know kind of like I do Tarkov and stuff. But outside of that, it's uh, it's it's you know it's it's not it's not as like uh, people don't know who I am that much. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I can walk around a lot, <laughs> and you know it's not that big of a deal. But it was definitely a cool. Yeah. It was a weird, cool, humbling experience, and I really need to keep my ego in check with that because it was like whoa, like oh. <laughs> People are coming up and I can get into these cool parties and stuff. Yeah. Like that's neat. But yeah. <laughs> and it was, it was fun. But now you're on a fun. small little Island. I got to think people know who you are, right? Or. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I always joke uh, locally. People just know me as Will's brother. Yeah. <laughs> because it's just like, Will is more of a local celebrity. I would say than me, just because he's so active in, youth sports yeah. and hockey and golf and all yeah. this kind of stuff. So like he knows everybody and everybody knows him. So I'm, if nobody knows who I am, I'm just like, I'm Will's brother. Yeah. 
And they're like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, so, but I, I have been, I remember the first time I got recognized. It was hilarious, actually. It was a funny story. I was in a Tim Hortons, which is very Canadian. Yeah. And for whatever reason, I wanted to go inside. So I was inside. I usually just go through the drive-thru at our local Tim's. But I was going inside, and there's this guy there. He's probably like 17. And he just, I went up there, and I made my order, and he was like right next to me. He just was like, just kind of gave me one of like these. <laughs> and I was like, hey. He's like, and then he just kind of stared longer, and he's like, he's just, he's kind of like weirded out. He's like, hey. And I'm like, hey, what's going on? And he's like, do I know you from somewhere? I was like, I don't know. I, and then I also, I pulled out the line. I was like, I'm Will's brother. He's like, I don't know who that is. And he just uh -oh. kind of like gave me the eye and then like went out to his car. And then I could see him like talking yeah. to all of his friends in the car. And he was like pointing. I feel like, I feel like that was the moment where like, that was the first weird thing locally yeah. that I've encountered. <laughs> and then at a, I go to a local beer festival and then people are like, Hey Deli, what's up, man? I love your stream. Yeah. And I was like, Cool that's man, cool. that's awesome. Enjoyed the beer festival, and he's like, "Hell yeah!" So it's always it's always really positive stuff. Nice, that's cool, yeah. man. Oh shoot! Yeah. So let's talk Tarkov. You know, this is yeah. this you know sort of white elephant in the room for us for these days. It seems you know what what's your take on the state of the game? Well, I think I have a very I look at it differently. I think just simply because it's like it's always more the same, or we're like two and a half months in, and then. You know, people start complaining about everything mm. and then, you know, there's a content patch and then, you know, people forget and everyone's super hyped and excited. And then it's two months and a half again and people complain. Mm -hmm. So I think we're definitely going through that. And then also as the patch goes on, the interest level diminishes, mm -hmm. especially and the views diminish a little bit yeah. and the stress increases and the pessimism increases too. So I think that's got something to do with it. Um, however, that being said, things are moving a lot slower than a lot of us uh want yeah uh especially when it comes to streets there is no way i would be shocked if streets was out this this uh, by the end of this year i mean we are playing the 12 13 wipe cycle right now and the wipe and that patch isn't out yet yeah and we're almost three months in so uh like i i i think johnny b is coming out with a new music video yep. like tomorrow and then we have modern warfare coming out and then we got a season of the cycle so i really think we're getting a tarkov content patch soon yeah because anytime Tarkov's competitors release something, it seems like they follow suit. So mm -hmm. I, I would cross my fingers on that. But yeah. the state of the game, where I'm at right now is like gameplay refinement. So I'm yeah. hyper aware of things like right peaks and netcode, uh, meta weapons and ammunition, different types of body armors, how players play. Yeah. And it is really starting to be like, hey, there's some big problems with PvP and Tarkov, especially when you have to go and push like Martrums and stuff, uh, which is which is very much like where you're going to see the worst bits of the content. Yeah. Um, and uh, that kind of bums me out a little bit, but at the end of the day, you know, there's going to be a wipe, and I'll have some cool fights, and I'm like, this is what Tarkov is all about. Right. Yeah. So that's kind of where I'm at with the game right now. Like, you know, patient cautiously optimistic a little pessimistic at times yeah. with certain features but yeah right. i don't know how's how's been your experience it, to me i'm 
I've actually started playing DayZ. I missed the window originally to, I, I've just felt I missed a window when everybody was playing DayZ. So I'm at a lull right now with Tarkov and I jumped over to DayZ. I had one of the, um, I had Ariana who's a DayZ streamer from uh, the UK. Mm-hmm. And she just described this beautiful game as an adventure. And it's like, you know, what? I, I jumped into it and I'm having a blast. I just wish the Tarkov gunplay and mechanics were there. And it's just like, yeah, I, that's that's where I'm with Tarkov, right? Like, the patch came, and we didn't get a lot. We just got that addition to the Lighthouse. Offline co-op mode was cool. And that's, you know, that's where it is. Yeah. I, I uh, Daisy, I go back every now and again, and I definitely play it for the adventure and meeting the people along the way and getting into really goofy and funny situations with people and survival stories. Yeah. Uh, where it loses me time and time and time again is how the fights happen yeah um for me tarka especially daisy as of late always felt like you're constantly fumbling the ball you're constantly fumbling over your character controller to get a kill yeah you're you're like the way the movement speed and how your body reacts to damage and then also how quick your character dies uh as opposed to where daisy standalone used to be yeah not like tarkov um, that has really changed uh, quite substantially, and one of the reasons why I personally don't enjoy the game nearly as much. Yeah, I've heard it's gotten a little bit better, and I'll, I'll probably check it out a bit more in a couple weeks from yeah. now. I would say I'm, I'm like one item away from Kappa, so nice. When that happens, it's uh, yeah, I'll probably take a peek. But yeah, Daisy will always hold a special place in my heart. I do, I do wish I could get back into Daisy a little bit more because there is no other game that will make your heart race more. There's no other game that I've had to stop a firefight and walk away because my heart was racing really? so hard. I was doing a 24-hour stream and I was in a fight for like two plus hours. Oh and I finally God. eliminated the threat. And uh, I was just like, I got to walk away. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. It was insane. Yeah, yeah, dude, there's some of the most wild situations that can unfold in that game. And you don't get that from Tarkov, yeah. especially in the late game. Yeah, Tarkov is best in the early game when... People are just like not dying instantly and using bad ammo yeah. and they're like hobbling around and they're overweight. So yeah. 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 Daisy's kind of like that. It was the end of, I guess, before the last wipe, I saw you playing Daisy and, and you 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 came across some random French guy, I think it was, and you were asking chat whether that you should kill him or not. And chat was telling you to kill him and you didn't do it. And it was a it was the funniest thing I've seen in a long time. Man, I I'm a softie. I'm a big softie now. <laughs> I used to be so brutal in in Daisy. I would intentionally deceive people and uh, just to get their stuff all the time. I used to have a character called Gunslinger Jim that was all based off of using my charisma to either get the upper hand or mm-hmm. get out of crazy situations. And it was awesome. But we did some dark shit <laughs> on Daisy, and I can't do. I I feel like I can't do that anymore. I'm more of like, hey, let's keep this like weird VoIP encounter going for as long as we can yeah. and see where it leads. Um, <laughs> unless someone's really annoying. But yeah, I have a hard time just killing people outright in Daisy these days. Yeah. All right. Cool. Very difficult. So now with the uh, with the maps that you know we have now in, in Tarkov, you know, with Lighthouse and you know, Reserve came on. What is wood still your, you know, your love of, of Tarkov? Yeah, I like Woods and Shore. I do like Lighthouse a lot, actually. Yeah. Lighthouse, Shoreline, Woods. 
um, are definitely like my big three. Um, I I can get frustrated with Lighthouse sometimes, but I still I really do enjoy that map um, quite a bit. It, the more the more I play it, the more I like it. Yeah. Um, because it gives me a mixture between like that outdoor mid range environment and mm -hmm. CQB action. Yeah. And uh, some of the other maps like Customs, especially lately, is very much like Dorms Rushy. Yeah. And I don't necessarily enjoy that that much, but. Yeah, Woods, Woods still holds a special place in my heart simply because I personally believe it doesn't have the same problems that the other maps have with the worst aspects of PvP. Yeah. You're not going to get as many right peak corridor holding uh, pre-fire spray downs and CQB because people aren't necessarily prepared for that on that map. Right. And it's such an open map where you have trees for cover, yeah. not hallways and doors. And I've always felt like the fights on that map are so much more entertaining. Yeah. And uh, it also brings me back to my Daisy roots. Yeah. Okay. So. Now, also, before we, uh, last time we talked, VoIP wasn't out. What was your thoughts, impressions on that, you know, Christmas patch? We had VoIP and Inertia and, you know, the, the mm -hmm. civilian flea. I just think that was such a great patch we had back then. Oh, dude, it was awesome. I remember being so nervous for VoIP. I thought that I was, I was very 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 cautious about it i was like man this could have the potential to change everything but it changed nothing about tarkov but only added so much yeah so like tarkov plays the exact same it always does it just has this whole new cool element to it and i've met so many interesting characters and cool people it gives you like a little taste of the daisy experience mm -hmm. in tarkov which is very nice and i also think it's really changed the game with scaving like yeah. being able to VoIP with like a random person be like, hey man, listen, there's a PMC like over there. Let's like go and try to kill him or something like that. Yeah. Or like asking people like, hey man, do you have like an item that I need for a quest? Um, and people who are scaving are very open to it. Mm -hmm. um, like occasionally you'll get backstabbed, but yeah. yeah. And then Inertia, um, the first iteration of Inertia I thought was really good. I mean, I I've never... I, I always played aggressive, but I never had to be aggressive in the same way that I relied on it. So I was kind of ready for the change. Yeah. But the most recent iteration, like doubling down on it and pushing it further, I have to say it has definitely negatively impacted my survival rate yeah. for sure. But that has been a really fun challenge to try to overcome that and relearn the game a bit and play a bit tighter. Um so I, I personally like it. I yeah. thought it was one of the better patches in a while. Definitely. Yeah, I, I found it really, I loved VoIP. I, I thought it was funny, like the first month, month and a half, it was just like, everybody was so friendly. It was like Lord of the Lord of the Flies. Everybody's all, you know, happy to be there. And then slowly yeah. started, you know, the darkness started to creep in, you know, I was like, down. Yeah, <laughs> the first couple of weeks, people were super chill. Yeah. Yeah, it was very, very helpful. People were doing like the bronze pocket watch and yeah. like, yeah, it's, I, I think... Lately, I've been running to a couple friendly PMCs, but mm, yeah, it's it's still not like it used to yeah. used to be when it was first added. Yeah, definitely. And now, what's uh, you know, as we you know, you get that last Kappa uh, Kappa item. Are you going to do some you know sort of offline co op stuff with the community, or just you know just focus on the you know different games? So we do we do online co op with the community right now <laughs> on Fridays. So, and there's a very particular way that uh, we do this. I never, I don't like to do this stuff uh, in the early period of the wipe because uh, I don't know, maybe not everybody would be down with it, but there is a particular way where you can get a full lobby of people that are your friends yeah. on an online server. 
and you can authentically help them out with quest items or oh, doing okay. different things. And uh, it's just by choosing like one server, yeah, and everybody queues in at the same time, yeah, and uh, that works quite okay. well. So we've been doing that on Fridays for the last few weeks, like. One week we we're on interchange. We had 17 people on a live game. Oh my God. And we all took out the scav PMC extraction, which was crazy. And it, the, <laughs> I did this a few years ago and it was super leggy. I did it recently, not leggy at all. Oh, wow. Like, not at all, which is very cool. So it yeah. really goes to show how the infrastructure's improved. Yeah. Um, every, yeah, it, it isn't leggy at all. Like it's crazy. Yeah. Um, and then we recently just did one on reserve. And um, we got a huge lobby of people and we got a bunch of raiders and the train was there and airdrops and stuff. Yeah. So uh, I will continue to do this stuff like that. Scav oh, cool. armies. We can get like teams of like eight or nine scavs on a single server. Yeah. Nice. And uh, th those are really fun. Okay. So in terms of like offline co-op, I'll, I'll probably do a couple things, but I think the online stuff is really interesting yeah. and adds like a layer of value to the whole experience True. of players. Yeah. So cool all right and then one of the tarkov questions your beard oil how did you yeah. found out how did you find out that you were you know getting an, an item in the game yeah uh it was clean actually clean was i would say he has a big role in the streamer items being added to the game and i remember uh i remember he asked me like hey like what what would your streamer item be and i'm like hey man whatever the devs would be willing to add like i am easy it could be as simple as like a poster or something yeah. or like i'll just whatever and he's like what about a beard oil and i was like that's great so uh a few months later with the interchange patch when interchange was added to the game yeah. my beard oil was added oh, and nice. uh that was crazy i remember when PUBG added streamer sprays yeah. on the walls i was super jealous so uh I was like, oh, that'd be so cool. <laughs> like to have like so to have like a my own item in Tarkov is like crazy. That is kind of uh, cool, man. And we we were able to make like actual real beard oils that are functional and maple scented. Oh wow. Uh so completely usable, but you're gonna smell like a, a waffle house. <laughs> like it's pretty crazy. Uh and we sent like six of them to the devs. Oh no and, way. Uh, That's awesome. So like they so they have like the real usable beard oil yeah. um in their office, which is really cool. Yeah. Cool. Well that brings me to the next question. BSG and Nikita. I think we are super lucky to have you know them being so open and just responsive to to the community. Yeah, Nikita's done a crazy job over the years. Uh, he's got more patience than me, uh, for sure. He takes a lot of shit. I think yeah. if you, I think if you're a game developer in 2022, you have to be prepared for some crazy shit. Um, you know, I think some of that comes from gamer entitlement for sure. Some of it comes from being mistreated by game developers over the years yeah. and people being super pessimistic. Uh, and then also, it also stems from people, um, you know, buying into an early access game under a promise or an idea of a game becoming something. Yeah. And when in reality, it turns into something different that they didn't necessarily sign up for. And then they take it out on their lead dev. So I think uh, we are extremely lucky because... Uh, I think the level of detail that goes into Tarkov is insane. Yeah. And it does take a lot of time. Um, it, you know, I am going to be, I'm really curious to see where the future of Battlestate games is going to be. Um, with, especially with Russia 2028. Yeah. Uh, and then also how they're going to move forward with live service. Like I, I, I do think Tarkov's not going away. 
I think Tarkov will always be an arena, their multiplayer focus. Yeah. Whereas like they're gonna push the universe and tell the story of Russia 2028, which is essentially World War Three, yeah, through their single player features. So and they'll they'll coexist. Like, right? Like kind of how like Squadron 42 and Star Citizen are yeah. gonna coexist. I think that's kind of where the future is. But um I think the the most disappointing part of the of how BSG gets treated is they're uh they didn't expect the level of like cheating yeah and that kind of stuff which has really slowed everything down and people that are actively trying to destroy their business yeah so uh which is super disappointing so and, and like that takes a lot of effort and that takes a lot of time and resources away from developing the game absolutely. and uh, i think that's kind of unfortunate but that's just the world we live in right yep. now absolutely so now how would you describe your community the deadly slob community uh how would i describe our community we we are a incredibly funny strange and peculiar group of people <laughs> from all sorts of different backgrounds and i mean all sorts of different backgrounds um with uh with a very very interesting lexicon of of memes and yeah. how we communicate with each other that can be uh really strange from an outsider coming in and uh yeah I, it's 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 a lot of fun i i think um the i think the main thing is it's it's a it's also a big group of people that are actively at work that yeah. are bored <laughs> <laughs> so which is funny like so you'll have like people just come in and talk about their day or yeah. like their what they had for breakfast and like it's a really fun time to stream yeah. because uh it's like an active part of the day and people are doing all sorts of different stuff so uh, i am just one of the lucky ones that we have such a positive and friendly and open yeah. community and um we really keep the toxicity at bay and the biggest way we do that is with really good moderators that uh, we moderate people that are like community leaders, yeah. like somebody that doesn't ask for it, but they really shine and represent the values of our community. And yeah. we put them in that position to make the decision if somebody is good or bad. Yeah. And that's worked out really well. Excellent. Yeah. I have to say that, you know, you, Pep and Markstrom are very much alike and you're, you, you all love the love that you guys describe your communities. It's just so cool. Oh yeah, it's well, it's everything. I mean, for me, it's the whole stream is a tennis match. If I don't have the viewers, then I, the stream is ruined. Really, yeah. like it's it's the the whole comedy and the entertainment aspect of the stream is so heavily reliant on the stupid shit that I say and then the stupid shit that they <laughs> say and kind of us meeting in the middle with it. Yeah, and um, just just being goofy and just being fun. Yeah, uh, like you know, it, like. I don't really have a persona per se, but I definitely like to goof it up a bit more or really let the Atlantic Canadian side shine a bit harder yeah. during the stream. <laughs> uh, and, and it's just, it's awesome. So yeah, I'm one, one of the lucky ones, man. I'm uh, for sure. Yeah. Excellent. So now when you, you know, sign off for, you know, in the afternoon, what happens then? Uh, so I, I turned the stream off. And I get up and I leave this office. It's I'm completely like detached nice. from my regular home, pretty much. So I got that like work and home kind of separation. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, I like to cook. Nice. So I 
immediately start cooking whatever we got. We've been with HelloFresh for a long time. Uh, not sponsored, just yeah. we works well for our rural lives and or I think of a meal that we want to prep and then we go with it. And um, so I usually cook and by the time it's done, my wife is home from work and that's kind of what we do and walk the dog, yeah. you know, cut the grass, um, hit a workout. I got a bit of a home gym, so I've been getting after that pretty hard. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, just regular adult life stuff. I think I feel like I live a very normal, regular adult life. Nice. Uh, I think people would be almost a little let down with how <laughs> average it is. You know, like very much like when you guys come home from work, I'm doing the same stuff. You know, yeah. I'm checking the news. I'm what maybe watching a little TV. Uh, you know, my in-laws might stop in, like whatever. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's kind of what I'm doing, and and that's the way I like it. So, is uh, uh, is Will helping you with your golf game, or has that golf game been been shelved for now? Oh man, uh, I was able to get out golfing like five or six times this year, but oh, my wow. golf game has gone all to hell. So it's gone. Yeah. Last year I was doing very well. I was starting to creep into the lower 90s, maybe even kissing the 80s. Oh wow. And uh, this year, I think the lowest I've shot was like 99. Yeah. And the highest I've shot was like 120. So I, <laughs> it's like, one of those uh, games, yeah. though. You, you just, mm. you know, you're if you don't stay with it, there's it's going to drop. Oh, yeah. And like, what's worse is I've been playing uh, horrible golf since like I was nine. Yeah. So it's it's not like I'm not played it and bad. I've played a lot of it and bad. So I've <laughs> I've. I've established those bad habits. So yeah. to get the muscle memory to change your swing and do it properly is yeah. very difficult to do. So and I feel like Will Will's patience is only goes so far. So yeah. I don't wanna <laughs> I don't wanna pester him because he's a scratch golfer that's yeah. one of the best on the island. So you know, we go out, we have fun and nice. he plays his game and he helps me find my golf balls in the woods. So. <laughs> that's a good brother. Yeah, yeah so, good brother. What uh, what's on the TV for uh, at night when you guys sit down to watch something? House of the Dragon. Yeah, big time. So we've been really into that. Um, we're a huge Game of Thrones fans. Obviously, gutted with how season eight ended for a lot of people. Um, so that's but we're back in. We're back on the George R. R. Martin train. Yeah, which you know I think he's an incredible world builder. I, I it's a talent that I wish that I had. And Elden Ring, you know, he was he helped out on Elden right. Ring too. So. Uh, which is an amazing experience. So we've been super into that. Um, Form of the One, of course. Yeah. We just finished a series called uh, Blackbird, which is about a serial killer named Larry Hall. It's a mini series. Okay. It's very well done. Um, and then basketball is starting soon. Yes. So Raptors, Raptors basketball. So we're we're gonna dive super deep into that. Watch your boy Scotty Barnes. Yeah. Uh, Pretty much the and and Freddie, you know, the leaders of the team, and see what happens with that. Yeah. So it's amazing that championship uh, run they had there a couple of years ago. That bouncing oh. shot that just bounced and bounced and bounced. That was incredible. Oh, it was um it was amazing. Yeah. It was it's one of the it's I'm not a huge sports guy, but that moment, oh. the shot is yeah. what we call it in Canada. Like the shot. I think it's the shot that would could be heard around like the the world. Yeah. Oh my God. Incredible. Um, yeah. And then taking so, down golden state after that. I'd never thought they'd do that. That was amazing. Yeah. I'm sad that Kawhi Leonard didn't stick with the team mm -hmm. after. I still think we had a championship team. That's that was just missing Kawhi. I think Kawhi isn't a leader. Yep. Um, and I think Kyle, like Kyle Lowry is the leader. So you have an extremely skilled basketball player that 
can work really well with somebody who can lead a team. Yeah. And if and, and like if you let Kawhi do his thing, he's like a solo team. He's right. like he's like that solo Tarkov player that can just wipe the entire map. Yeah. Um, you know, he's amazing with that. So and, and we lost that from the Raptors when he left. Yeah. And also, you know, Serge Ibaka as well. And uh yeah, it, it's it was it was sad to see it break apart so soon. Yeah, I guess. absolutely. So. But you know, years ago we had there was that potential for a championship team with Vince Tracy, Charles Oakley. There was we were had a good core, and then McGrady had to go and yeah. leave. And then also DeRozan too. You know, yeah. DeRozan had some great years, but yeah, Le- let's just uh, uh, LeBron James would shut us down yeah. every time, every time. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, DeRozan is like also one of my favorite people in sports yeah. so um i'm always like low-key like rooting for wherever he is because yeah. i think he's a he's somebody who speaks out about mental illness mm-hmm. and then also i think he's just a good role model so yeah yeah ah. yeah he's, we admit i got i still say when somebody like uh i i said that they derosened uh <laughs> uh uh, Daniel Ricardo from yeah. McLaren because they pretty much did. I mean, he like yes. did the social media post and uh, they already knew he was gone. Yeah. Right. So, uh, yeah. but oh. speaking of, you know, people who do good, you do really well with charities, you know, the pancreatic oh. uh, cancer charity. And now there's a new charity, a new, another cancer charity that you're, yeah. you're supporting. I oh- we support Pank One, which yeah. is um, pancreatic cancer. I just I did that twice. Um, and in my personal life, I support things like Red Cross and what's been going on in the Ukraine and stuff like yeah. that. Which I don't talk too much about, but uh, you know, I'm very passionate about that stuff. So, um, yeah, it's it's it's. I don't do too much charity work, so whenever I do it, I want it to really matter and have yeah. like a really big impact. And. Uh, the DNA brings it, man. Our community just killed it. We just raised like $20,000 for pancreatic can- cancer research, yeah. which is uh, one of the most deadly forms of cancer, one of the most underfunded and under-researched. And the uh, death rate has largely gone unchanged over the last three decades. Yeah. And um, I know like my, me personally, um, like my grandfather or my grandmother passed away from cancer very young. So I kind of robbed me from that opportunity. And um, cancer has affected my wife's family yeah. quite severely too. And I, sh- and I know a lot of people either have been affected by it directly or know somebody that has. So it's one of those things that really needs uh, more funding and yeah. things like uh, lung cancer, for example, over the last 30, 40 years, the survivability rate has greatly been increased based off of funding and charity research. So yeah. I think the same could be done for things like pancreatic cancer. So um, yeah, Pank one is they also provide like quality of life because they're, Right now, the research isn't there for people that are already having it. So yeah. it provides like tailorized drugs for and, and also experimental drugs that can help increase the quality of life or survivability, yeah. but then also provide personal care for people who have it. So very cool. Um, we'll most likely work with them again in the future. Yeah. Well, so. for coming on today, I'm going to make a donation to uh, Pank One. For thank you, thank for you very the much. Time. Yeah, it's been it's been yeah. really generous for you to come on and you know take your evening to hang out. Oh yeah, well thank you, man. Anytime, um, I'm sure to make this a regular thing every <laughs> every couple months. Just uh, hit me up and yeah. we can talk more about how things are going. Excellent. And now before you go though, now you have to call out somebody who should come on Tardox. Um, you can't call out Will. He's been on. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see here. Who should come on Tardox? 
Have you ever had Bazinga that be on? I've had, yes, I've had Bazinga. Oh, you have Baz? She's been awesome, yeah. Yeah, she's awesome. Um, have you had Jesse? Jesse no, Kazan. I have not had Jesse, Jesse yet. No. Jesse's good. Yes. He runs his own podcast too with Veritas. Veritas, yep. Uh, yeah, Jesse's a, right. a hilarious guy. Um, yeah, I'd like to see him on here. So, All right, there we go. Excellent. Well, Deadly, thank you so much for doing this, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, well, thanks for having me on. And uh, I hope anybody out there that's listening, uh, you know, I wish, especially those that are on the streaming grind, I wish you the best of luck and uh, take it easy, you know, just day to day, focus on the little things and uh, have fun. That's the most important thing. Because if you're not having fun, why are you doing it, right? Yeah. So that's the whole point at the end of the day. So. Thanks.